Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 177. An optimist is someone who goes after Moby Dick in a rowboat and takes the tartar sauce with him. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Stephen Hackett. Stephen, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. All right. Great to have you here. Stephen Hackett is a Porsche sales and leasing consultant at Bellevue Porsche in Bellevue, Washington. Last year, he was awarded one of the top 100 salespeople worldwide at Porsche, and he got to enjoy a week in Cannes, France, where he met Porsche factory driver Walter Rohr. Stephen also spent some time driving lots of Porsches while he was there. Now that sounds like fun. Stephen is one of those unique salespeople whose passion for what he sells is as impressive as his authenticity. So Stephen, I told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course your passion for Porsche automobiles? Absolutely. So um, I've been with with, uh, Porsche now for just about eight years, and uh, I've had kind of a varied career. I started out after college at uh, at an airline, worked for Horizon Air in Seattle here, and moved up through the ranks at, at Horizon and ended up in Alaska and uh, spent about 13 years with those guys. And and then um, after that, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and, and end up in the internet world. So I started a software company and um, that led to another software company. And, and uh, so I spent the boom years during the, the internet craze in, in the software world and and um, made some money and um, bought some Porsches and <laughs> had some had some fun. Yeah. And then, and then uh, you know, it was... I just wasn't really very excited about uh, about that. Um, I'm just excited about making the money, but uh, I was looking for something that I could really get my teeth into and be passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was taking a look at the things that I like to do and ski and drive Porsches and and sail and so forth. And and uh, just on a whim, I went and interviewed as a sales consultant uh, for for a barrier Audi at the time. And uh, they said, "Well, you have you have such a Porsche background. You should go talk to the guys at Porsche." <laughs> so I talked to the guys at Porsche and. Um, they weren't too receptive because they don't like to hire people who come from uh, entrepreneurial in, environments, and and um, and so I, I had to talk to them for quite a while before they hired me. Uh-huh. 
and uh, and then they hired me, and it, and you know, so this is kind of the perfect fit. After all the things I've done in my life, um, this is the most fun and and the most lucrative, and and uh, you know, every morning you you want to wake up and and feel like you you're just charging to go to work, and and that's definitely what it's like for me. Well, it's so cool because you found a way to wrap that passion you have for automobiles and especially Porsches into a vocation. And you and I share a, a mutual friend who's been a guest here on Cars, yeah, Russell Flory, who had sure. a very similar story. He was working in a different field, went into a Porsche dealership one day, and ended up he knew more about the Porsche than the salesman. And the salesman said, you need to talk to my boss. Maybe you should be working here. And now he goes around and trains people and salespeople like yourself how to uh, improve your game, if you will, when you're selling a dream car to somebody and so much of guests buying or, or your customers buying Porsches are really buying a dream. They're fulfilling a dream. Is that right? It, it's so true. You know, on Russell's path, it's very similar to mine. And, and uh, he loved Porsches. He, he took it one step further, and now he trains people. And uh, and I'm not sure I'll go that direction, but uh, but it sure is fun to, to sell these cars. It's like you know, working in a candy store. <laughs> Absolutely. I know every time I go in there and kick the tires, Oh, there's just so many things I want to buy. Someday, someday. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is a saying that has some meaning in your life, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Stephen, take the wheel. So my quote's from Zig Ziglar, and uh, Zig Ziglar, as you may know, is, is a, a long-term uh, inspirational sales motivator. And, and uh, so his quote is... Uh, an optimist is someone who goes after Moby Dick in a rowboat and takes the tartar sauce with him. <laughs> and, and so for me, you know, it's a, it, it's kind of, it's a great, uh, it's kind of a charging uh, word for, for what we do in the sales business and the in cars because I sell a car to one, one in every 15, 20 people. And, um, and so it's it's a game of numbers, and 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 largely you get no as an answer, but right. uh, but you just keep moving forward, and and uh, and then as you as you meet more and more prospects and more and more repeat prospects, the numbers go down to maybe one in one in five you sell the car to, you know. So it gets gets a lot as time goes on. Sure. But initially, you talk to a lot of people, and nobody nobody buys a car, and it can be really discouraging, and uh, you just have to keep with it, and then eventually, you know, eventually it's fruitful. Well, I would think that people buying Porsches are buying, as I mentioned before, a dream, a lifelong dream. It's a passion mm-hmm. buy. Nobody really needs a Porsche. Well, I'll take that back. I need a Porsche. You need a Porsche. <laughs> but most people don't need a Porsche. They just need transportation. But a Porsche is so much more than that. But I love that quote. It's great. It's going into every interaction with somebody with a positive attitude that there's going to be a, a good end to this conversation and this communication. You mentioned that you had varied careers, but you always loved Porsches. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Tell me about that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. So I think for me, it started very, very early, you know, and, and um, I was just in my son's room here, and he has the matchboxes lined up, and, <laughs> uh, and I was the same way. I didn't have as many as he has because I've, I've put on a lot of cars for him, but um but I would I would do that every day. I'd have my my Matchbox cars and line them up. And my favorite thing to do was to get a new one. And uh, and and so I knew what all those cars were. And and then I started drawing cars when I was was really young. And did the did the uh, Mad Magazine cars with the, <laughs> with the blowers coming out of the hood. And yeah. and uh, you know just great big tires and wheels and so forth. And so from a very very early stage, the um, the idea of having a big powerful car that 
that smoked the tires and and uh, made screeching noises as it went around the corners was was just very much part of my everyday life. And so as I got older, it just you know those are things that I noticed. And I noticed cars in in high school. I noticed that the the uh, seniors and would have fancy cars like the captain of the football team had a Trans Am. <laughs> yeah. And uh and one of the one of the guys came in in the Porsche, but you know, Porsches were not were not super, super popular back in the seventies. They were just uh they were just kind of funny little foreign cars and, and the big iron were really the, the the impressive cars. Right. And then as as time went on, you know, I was able to buy cars but I couldn't buy those cars initially and uh, but I, I don't think there's ever one exact moment where I said, Well this is it I I'm a car guy. It just it just was so ingrained in me growing up that um, it just became part of me. Was there a moment in time when you talk about Porsche that Porsches really came onto your radar? Can you remember that time? Yeah, there really was definitely a time. My um, in high school, my neighbor had a paper route, and so I'd help him out with his paper route. And he was a pretty ambitious guy for uh, for being in high school. And and uh, one of the things that that he had at his house was a, uh, a model kit that we put together together of a, of a Porsche. It was a 1970s Porsche, and, and so we took time. It was a pretty complicated kit. It took a week for us to put it together. And I remember thinking that was just such a funny little car. But then about two, three, two, two or three years later, he came back with the same car. Wow. And um, he became a, a multimillionaire, but that was his, uh, that was his first car. And, and, and I remember seeing that car and thinking, that is so, so different. Yeah. But, um, it, it uh, was set with me. Very cool. Stephen, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and get under the hood a bit and ask you to share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career or your life. But the most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. When I transitioned into the automotive business, it was the first time I'd really had a boss in, in about 15 years because I'd been an entrepreneur and um, after my after my internet world, I, I was owned a restaurant and I was my own boss, and so I really hadn't had a, I hadn't had to report to anybody or clock a clock time clock in or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so they were they were pretty reluctant to hire me, um, just because typically people like that are pretty headstrong and just want to do things their way. Yeah. And uh, so I persevered there, but but even when I got on board with um, with the automotive with the dealer initially, they. The guys who'd been there forever, they had the, the key clients, and and um, and so I was the only sales I would make were were fresh ups and no repeat customers and none of the big fish or anything like that. Uh, so it took a long time for me to develop my book of business, mm-hmm. and and then eventually um, all the senior guys left, and I became the senior guy. <laughs> so so that uh, just the staying power uh, worked really well for you. You just kept persevering and. Eventually, uh, attrition worked its way through the courses, and you were the top dog. That's right. And in 2009, when when everything hit the skids, you know, when the economy tanked, uh, the uh, senior guys went to greener pastures, and I didn't have anything to lose because I really didn't have any book of business. So I stuck around, and and then when the business came back, we still had all the same clients, but they knew me, and so I more or less inherited this this big book of business as a result of it. Oh, great. That's awesome. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story when you had a real aha moment in your career, a time when you realized that an idea or a concept you had come up with was really going to make it and you were going to be successful at it. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. So in the in the car business, you know, you think of traditional car sales as, as the person coming in and, and they get sold a car, you know, but in 
in Highline sales and Porsche sales and, and Mercedes sales, et cetera, the, um, it really is a much more consultative sale because the people who are buying these cars are their CEOs and their presidents of banks and their you know, they're, they're high-end people that are well-educated. So they really are looking for information as much as anything else. And, and my aha moment was that when I was trying to sell something, it was um, it was kind of like you were looking for a, a date for the prom, you know, the day before the prom. Really, nobody wanted to buy a car from you or, <laughs> or, or go to the prom with you. And uh, but if you if you were much more consultative and 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 giving information and and helping people to make a decision as opposed to selling a car, then then they were much more apt to buy cars from you. I see. Now that's the first time I've heard that analogy of going to prom compared to buying a car. That was really interesting. <laughs> Very true, you know, and some of the sales guys if they're uh if they haven't met their quota for the month and they're desperate to buy a car, then they, they won't sell a car because everybody knows they're desperate and there's a look in their eye and it's uh it's just it's just it's a funny little way that uh, the world works. The challenge I'm sure with selling cars is that stigma of the pushy sales guy. What do I have to do to right. get it in your garage today versus uh what makes this car so special for you or some other better question you have for the customer? So fantastic. Very true. How about proudest moments? I'm sure you've had many in your career, but is there one in particular that really stands out that you would share with us? Well, this last year I was, uh, I was again, the, um, the title of one of the top 100 salespeople with Porsche worldwide. And, uh, and so that was that was, that was the pivotal moment for me. It was, uh, it was my 15 minutes of fame to... Mm-hmm. To go to to France um, and and be awarded this this uh, this crystal trophy, you know, with another hundred people from from around the world to top salespeople. The award was great, and the trip was great. The thing that was was fantastic is is just the way they treated us. You know, we um, we got helicoptered uh, to the racetrack at uh, Circuit Paul Richard to drive turbos around for a day wow. on the track. And uh, <laughs> wow! And at lunch at lunchtime they drive they drove the nine eighteen, you know, for us to um, to see, and that's uh, just just the treatment was was unbelievable. Just right on the boardwalk at, at Cannes, and and um, and it was it was representative, I think, of of how much Porsche appreciated the, the the contribution that the sales guys had made to the to the bottom line and and to gain customers, and so that that was a pretty heady moment. Oh, congratulations! And Thank wh- you. if there was one thing that you could attribute to your success last year with achieving that goal. What would you say it would be? Just tons of hard work and, and <laughs> yeah. um, you know, always being available, always being uh, in the dealership, um, pursuing customers' requests and interests to the point where they followed through and purchased a car. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, you were saying earlier that, um, that nobody really needs a Porsche. And it's really true. You know, if if, uh, if, if it was a perfect world and, and it was all about economy and so forth, we'd all drive beasts and Priuses and but we sell lots of turbos and we sell Turbo S Cayennes and and these cars, which which you know on paper look like they're just ridiculous, but they evoke such passion in people that they they really stir their their uh, their psyche and, and that kind of thing. And those are decisions that they make because they're they're introduced to the client. You know the the, the product is introduced, and so when something comes out, um, some new car, it's uh, uh, it's you know it's my job to to bring it to them and to to introduce them to the to the new. Uh, uh, details of the car, that sort of thing. Sure. I would imagine that involves, for you, having to learn a lot about the vehicle so you know them inside and out. Being a product expert, yeah. But also just remembering that the guy had a Turbo S that he bought in 2000 and, 
and nine, and so he's he's a, a good candidate for 2014 or 2015, and um, and keep him on your radar. Yeah, exactly. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. So um, for a lot of people, it's going to be a you know pretty fancy car. For me, it wasn't it wasn't a fancy car, but it meant a lot to me. It was my very first car, and um, it was a 1966 uh, Volvo Amazon. And uh, and I bought it when I was in high school. And my my parents uh, didn't want me to buy a car because they just they just thought I was too young to buy a car. And so I took my lawnmower money and I went and bought five hundred dollar car. And it um it had about four different colors of of uh, primer uh, body panels. <laughs> and you had you had to start it with a screwdriver in the ignition. Oh my gosh! And, uh, so for me that was that was just the uh, it was just the ultimate car. Um, even though it was kind of a beater. Yeah. Yeah, well, it gave you that freedom that we all experienced exactly. when we first started driving. So, well, that's a great that's right. one. That's a very unique first special car that I've heard on cars yeah here, but I understand the reason. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had in your garage that you let go that you really wish you could have back? Probably my first, uh, well, any of my Porsches that I've sold, but my first Porsche was an 82 uh, 911 SE that uh, I've Bought that when I sold my software company, and it uh, I went in and wrote a check for it, and it was uh, it was representative of of uh, kind of a milestone for me, and and um, I, I regret selling that car because yeah. um, it needed a little bit of work, and I it just wasn't very practical for where it was in my life, but um, and I've never seen it again. I'm not sure where it went, but I regret that. Yeah, I understand. How about projects? Is there something that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Well, every you know in the in the sales business, every month is a uh, is a sales cycle, and so you have you, know, you break your break your world down into what's going to happen that day, what's going to happen that week, what's going to happen this month, and what's going to happen this year. And I, I've been at this now long enough that I just I have a big book of business, and so for me, it's it's trying to figure out how to keep in contact with my clients and um, and keep them appraised of of new cars coming in and. And uh, introducing introducing things then because it's such a, a big audience that I'm I'm working with, mm-hmm. and uh, and for me I'm trying to get my arms around that and uh, and that that occupies pretty much all my all my idle thoughts. It's how do I do this and who does I miss and who do I need to give a phone call to to appreciate you know tell them I appreciate the business from three years ago. That's a, a handful of work for one person. I would assume for sales representatives like yourself, you don't have an assistant or a secretary or somebody that that uh, keeps your breast that you're juggling all those balls yourself. You're an absolute army of one, you know, so the challenge is it's easy when you're when you're first starting out, you know, and you're just relying on business coming in the door, then you don't really have you know, have a, a book of business to manage. But um, uh, as it gets older, as, as you've been in the business longer, you just uh, you have to contend with a lot of data and, um, and people changing locations and style changes where they need different kinds of cars, and, and uh, it's just a lot to get your arm trend. I'll bet. Now, here's a fun question for you, Stephen. If you were a car, what kind of car would Stephen Hackett be and why? Well, I'd be, uh, I'd be an old rally car, you know. So the reason I like that, that Volvo 122 that I got was I, I, was, um, I really liked the idea of rallying in the 60s where the guys would go out there and slide sideways on the gravel roads and they were driving two-wheel drive cars and top speeds were 60, 70 miles an hour and so forth, but they were tough and they... You know, got through the snow in Monte Carlo and and uh, and all these different things. Drove through the night, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I've always I've always loved those rally cars. And it would uh, it, it would be something probably from the from the 
from the seventies, like a, like a Ford Escort or whatever. Um, it, it just is, you know, big fog lamps in the front and, <laughs> and ready to go. But, uh, but, you know, it's going to end up the day battered and, and, uh, and dirty and, and so forth. And, and that's kind of how I live my life is, uh, trying to be ready for whatever's coming up yeah. and, um, and go on through the night or go on through the, the events or whatever it is. And, and hopefully not wreck and, you know, maybe come out on the podium. There you go. I know there's a, a rally school just north of Seattle. I think it's called Dirtfish? Dirtfish Rally. Have you done that? Uh, I haven't been out to do it. I know the I know the owner of that, and he's invited me out a couple of times. It's just a question of, you know, finding the time to do it. Sure. Well, I think you need to get out there and get a little dirty. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I think definitely so. It sounds like something you'd have a lot of fun at. So, Stephen, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something for the Cars Yeah listeners. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free Filler Up book today at Cars Yeah. Okay, Stephen, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I know you've been out on the track in many Porsches, so you know what this means. The white flag is out and it's time to put the pedal to the metal. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I'm ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? From uh, my sales manager is to just stick with it and and uh, do everything you can to to persuade the customer, but just stay with the stay with the task. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? So, in my day to day routine, I always look at what I'm doing and see if it's going to contribute to my objectives. And so, that's kind of a constant analysis I go through: is is what you're doing right now? Is it going to help you get to your objective? Efficient use of time. It sounds like exactly. Do you have a resource that you would share with the car show listeners that you're really fond of? Perhaps it's a website or a blog or a supplier or a person. Well, I like I like the uh, trend uh, websites, uh, and the one in particular I think uh, is great is Autoblog. And uh, and then any of the interviews by Chris Harris I think are, are fantastic also. But um, but it gives you it gives you an idea of what's coming in the industry and and the, what manufacturers are producing, and it covers pretty much the whole spe- whole spectrum. Great. And is there a book that you've read in the past that you think our listeners should get their hands on? Um, one of the books I really liked uh, is called uh, Grand Ambition, and it's about this uh, this yacht uh, producer who who um, builds this huge, huge yacht, and and it's all predicated on on the money coming from the market, and then the market tanks, and uh, um, and they they have to contend with with productions and staff and and budget and so forth. But it's um, eventually the yacht gets built, and um, and it's it's one of the biggest yachts in the world. But it's it's chronicles the whole process of having a great idea, going through failure, and then finally getting it done. Oh, fantastic. That's a new one for me, so I appreciate you sharing that. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Stephen has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Stephen Hackett. And do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? You mentioned you like boats and sailing, skiing. Yeah, so sailing. I was out, out on my um, race boat yesterday. I've got a a CNC 30, and and so we uh, do, I keep that on Lake Union and, and uh, do some sailboat racing, but mostly cruising and uh, ski when there's snow in the mountains, which there isn't right now. But uh, 
uh, skiing's a big hobby, and and then um, and then just athletics in general. We just came back from working out. Awesome, great. Well, now's the time for the checkered flag, Steve. And so this last question can be a real doozy for a car guy like you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that vehicle be, and why? I'd go back to uh, I'd go back to one of those cars from the '60s, like a like a Volvo 122 or a 1800 Volvo 544. One of the kind of the underdogs in the rally world, and uh, and built really tough, uh, but so simple. You know, they developed those cars with uh, with the idea that anybody should be able to repair it. So simple carburetors, simple cast iron motors simple electronics, all those sorts of things. Basically, tractors is what the early Volvos were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just, I love the simplicity of that. It's not the most expensive car in the world, but um, but I, I just, I love what they represent, and I'd love to have one of those that was in mint condition. That sounds fantastic. And I remember Porsche got involved with uh, rally racing way back when as well. You see the 911s out there in the dirt and the mud, and so mm-hmm. uh, they've got That's a history right. in that as well. So. Well, Stephen, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've enjoyed your story so much. I really appreciate you taking time off on your day off here to spend some time with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. I want to thank you for that. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down that dirt road in that Volvo rally car? I would say to anybody who's uh, is interested in being in the car business uh, that it is, it is not for everyone, but it is, it is incredibly rewarding because of the, the highs and lows. And uh, when I tell people I've been selling Porsches for eight years, they, they always look at me and, and uh, give them kind of a funny look because anybody who's been associated with business knows how, how difficult it is and how frequently people burn out of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but if you can stick around for a while and, um, and make a go of it, it's, it's, uh, it's just it's a fascinating day-to-day different life and day-to-day different experience, and, and that, uh, that's invigorating. So if anybody's thinking about being in the car business, I'd say, to try and what's the best way for people to find out about you and the company you're working with today we have uh, we have some information on our uh, website at uh, bellevue.porschedealer.com and there's a brief profile of me there but uh, i think actually there may be more on on this interview than just about any place on, on the web <laughs> okay well listeners again you can find everything steven shared with us at carsyad.com slash steven haggett just put steven's name in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up and of course if you're in the market for a new porsche or a used porsche steven's a guy you need to go to i've known him for some time he's a consummate gentleman and he is so far from your stereotypical car salesman that i think you can be so uh look him up Steve, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!